Ryan, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. A pleasure. It's really great to, to have you. As you might be aware, we're doing this sort of tax series where we're inviting tax experts to have a chat with us about pressing tax issues. But before we get into the, the technical issues, congratulations on your new role as the MD of Rogers Capital. Thank you. How, how has it been? Were you, were you gearing up for it over the past few years or uh, was it a bit of a surprise? <laughs> yeah, in, in fact, I, I've, I've known Cathy for more than 20 years now. We work at PwC in the past. For some years, they were, he wanted to, to recruit me at Rogers. And it was always in her mind, in her mind <laughs> that when he, she reached 40 years, it's, she wasn't uh, only 25, I think, at the time. Oh, wow. She was already planning that at, at 40, she wanted to do other things, sure, sure. Yeah, okay. apart from professional, yeah. but not to become unemployed, but to explore, travel, other, yeah, things. explore other things. Yeah, and obviously you've kind of been at Rogers Capital for a while, you've been looking after your team for a while. So in that sense, I guess it's not too much of a transition. I call it like this. It's a change in the prime minister, but no change in government. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good analogy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and how do you find it leading a team in these, I call it difficult times. I think we're going to talk about tax challenges later. But in terms of recruiting the right team, leading the right team, have you faced any particular challenges? Yeah, as all firms. We, we are facing competition, not only in Mauritius, but overseas as well. We have, we have uh, some of our staff who got, get offers from Luxembourg, Ireland, and those who have left us. It's really challenging. But, uh, you know, together with Gachi over the f past three years, we have, we have tried to, to understand how young professionals are. They are different from what uh, it was 20 years ago. Sure. Young professionals don't want to come to an office and where there is a boss who they don't know anything about the boss, his personal life. It's just you are my subordinate, you report to me and then we go home. So we have tried to build a team, a team where we work together, we have fun together, we, have, we do sports together. So I know you do it as yes, well, yes. I've seen on LinkedIn. So, but we try to build really a team. Then when someone feel part of a team, it's like even a family, then you don't need to encourage them to work hard. They don't want to, to make as if unplease you. They, they want always to do their best. Sure. So even if they get offers, they can get better offers financially as well, but they look at the, at the work environment. Mm. And, and uh, in terms of how you, how you train them, do you, are you of the school of thought that you learn on the job or do you offer, because obviously tax is a very technical area, so do you offer on the job training or it's really kind of swim? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of both. Right. It's a bit of both. And uh, they're on the job training because sometimes we don't have time, we have a case we need to prepare, so... You, you, you just go do some research, try to look for similar cases, etc. And but we also try to formalize as well, formal training, weekly training, brainstorming sessions where weekly we discuss about rulings of the MOA, 
rulings of the AOC, etc. So it's a bit of both. And I think we need both. And because we have staff who are self-learners, who like to learn on their own, but there are others who need some guidance. Sure, sure. So it's just finding that right yeah, balance, yeah, right I balance. guess. Yeah. And I know Rogers Capital, so you, it's a company that has three clusters, taxes, um, uh, port, you know, port of, port of the, the fiduciary cluster. And it is in Mauritius, in an independent tax firm. Yeah. Uh, one of the largest independent tax firm in Mauritius, but you've also created, you and your team have also created an African-wide network recently called the Tax Africa Network, of which you're the president. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the objective of, of that network? What, what's the aim? I've worked in uh, Big Four in Africa, so, but sometimes small firms the, it's, it's difficult for them to, to provide services to obviously multinationals, because uh, multinationals don't want, if they operate in five jurisdictions, to go and look for five different service providers. So, um, and that's why even if the small, f small firm, small independent firm, may provide better tailor-made services, they can't retain their services. That's, uh, I've been across Africa, I've met many of them, and I've discussed lengthily when I was still there. We had an idea that when we'll uh, be working outside the Big Four, we'll try to, to build a, net, a network, and specifically for Africa. For Africa, there is not enough connections. With the Africa Free Trade Agreement as well, Africa is becoming one. Mm -hmm. So the objective of TAN is to provide an alternative to network for Africa, for all those who want to invest in Africa, want to know about the tax, the tax framework, we are not a law firm, but most of our partners are law firms as well. They provide tax and legal services. That's an, an alternative. And at the same time, we have a pool of expertise because for a small firm, maybe in a small country, it's not worth recruiting a a, a person just to do transfer pricing documentation, but we have resources in the network who can work for all the all the jurisdictions. How many firms are there in the? We have world? 17 members actually, and but we are present in 22 countries, because there are some countries where the the law is the same, like uh, OADA region. Sure. We have CEMAC region as well, so the company law is the same. The accounting standards are the same, so. Someone who is qualified to service in Gabon, for example, can also provide services in Cameroon, Equatorial Guinea, because they form part of the same union. Okay. And do you find it with the network, obviously you're, you're stronger together, but do you still find that multinational clients would still have a preference for the big four, for example, or not necessarily have things changed? I think things, things are changing. Things are changing. There are maybe a few clients who are still reluctant, but most of them now they want to know. They want to know when when, when we when we talk with clients now and they know that we are part of a network. It's give a different feeling. Sure, sure. And is the plan to further expand the network to cover eventually the whole of the continent? Yeah, 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 yeah. The objective is our objective is let's say in two to three years to have to cover at least 40 countries, not necessarily 40 members because there are 
common economic area. So at least 40 countries. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, that's wonderful. And do you do regular meetings or do you try to, how do you, because my experience with the African continent as well is that previously I was at a law firm that was part of a, of a network of, of law firms where there were X number of countries, they were present in X number of countries in, in Africa. Yes, it is one continent, but sometimes we forget there's 52 countries different cultures, you have the Anglophone, Francophone, Lusophone. It's very diverse. How do you get everyone together? <laughs> the, the language is a bit challenging. Sure. The language is a bit challenging, but fortunately many of the Francophone Africa now, they can, they are not fluent in English, but they can understand, they can express, and if ever there is need to translate some specific things that they have not understand during the week, during meetings, We'll do it. But our plan is when we'll be organizing webinars, etc., because we also have a technology arm at Rogers Capital. Tan will be relying on the expertise as well to have automatic translation. But regarding meetings, we normally we have monthly meetings and uh, we have also some technical meetings like on global minimum tax where we discuss. And, but day to day, we, when there is work referral, from firm to firm, then we, yeah. we are constantly in, in touch. Okay, all the best of, of luck. Um, I, I think it's great, I mean, as an independent firm ourselves, I, I, I think it's great that there are new up and coming networks, you know, disrupting the, yeah. the, the status quo. Um, I think that's, that's amazing. Coming back to Mauritius now, we're going to talk about transfer pricing later because that's a whole kettle of fish on its own. But if you were to look at the three main tax challenges faced by the country at the moment, excluding TP, what would you say these three challenges are? Yeah, in fact, my, my, the first ones that come to my mind is the solidarity levy. Yeah, this is really an issue. And I hope that the measures will be taken as soon as possible. This is uh, impacting the competitiveness of Mauritius to attract talent, foreign talents, to retain our existing talents. Because I was just talking with, uh, with uh, a friend last time. We have entrepreneurs who work on web. They've settled in Mauritius a few years back. They come to Mauritius with the understanding that they have a GBL. They provide internet services. They are taxed at 3%. Then solidarity levy was introduced. It's become eight. Then GBL was taxed at 15, and now they have solidarity levy on dividend. They can understand the, GB, the 15% rate on GBL because of OECD pressure, etc. But up to 25% solidarity levies that they can survive. This means that for them, the tax rate has gone from 3% to around 40%, 25% solidarity levy, 15% corporate tax. For a developing country, yeah. that's a lot. Was it Rogers Capital who did a really nice analysis recently? I remember when you compared yeah. with developed countries in France, and yeah. I was quite surprised actually when yeah, you look exactly. at the numbers. Yeah, in fact, we, we had the idea to do this first when one of our clients, when we told him how much tax he will be paying, then he said, I'm paying less taxes in France. How is it possible? <laughs> and then we work together with Business Mauritius to try to prepare something. And 
I hope that uh, <laughs> they will yes, be changed. Yes, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with this year's budget. But if I may be devil's advocate here for, for a minute, what would you say to those people who would say, sure, you're talking about solidarity levy, but it only affects 3 5% of the population. Why should we remove it? One of the over-tax over challenges is that Mauritius need to provide substance. Global business companies, funds need to provide substance. And there are areas that we don't have expertise. How will we attract expert, experts to work in the fund industry, to work in the global business industry? They are in the bracket of 3-5%. You won't get a, a fund professional who will leave Luxembourg to come to Mauritius for less than 3 million rupees per annum. We need to build some sense. It's a challenge. But we need to see it as an opportunity as well to build capability, but we need resources. Now, not only we can't attract, but we are losing talents. Almost every week we have professionals in the global business sector, especially the fund industry, which are getting offers from Luxembourg. Although the, I understand the income taxes, is high there. They, at the end of the day, they, they're in Europe, they are in a developed country, they have excellent healthcare, um, exactly. excellent access to education, if infrastructure, etc. So challenge number two, so what would you say challenge number three is? Challenge number three, I would say is that the global minimum tax. I don't see this stopping at a global minimum tax rate of 15%. This may become even higher. There is pressure even from the US. So. We need to, to ensure that there are carve-outs. We need to ensure that uh, we can benefit from these carve-outs. And uh, for me, global minimum taxes on companies, but there are countries like Singapore who has acknowledged that there will be global minimum tax. Companies will need to pay 15% tax in Sing Singapore, but they will get other incentives. It can be non-tax incentives, it can be in the form of subsidiary on employees' uh, cost, staff costs, it can be on having infrastructure where they can easily come to Mauritius and have infrastructure ready to do business. These are other incentives that we can, we can give to, to multinationals without falling fall of the... Yeah. Yeah, because it's a difficult one because we are told that Mauritius is part of the inclusive framework, that everyone has an equal vote, but we all know the reality is all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. So it's, it's you know, how to, to get ourselves heard is, is, has always been a challenge. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we are a sovereign country. So I think it's important that, you know, our leaders look after the interests of Mauritius yeah. as well. Um, and not just, you know, we're always keen to be the good student of the class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. developed countries have always been trying to develop uh, free trade, but just when it doesn't suit them, then exactly. free trade is no longer... Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's a never-ending challenge, which brings me to the next challenge, which I think is becoming more and more pressing, particularly in the light of, you know, the BEX package and, and everything that follows is transfer pricing. So I think you would probably agree with me that we have seen a bit more activity in this area in the exactly. last few years. Do you think it's time to have some sort of transfer pricing framework in Mauritius other than two lines in Section 75? Definitely, definitely. Presently, 
we have uh, investigation which are carried out by the MRA. They have the interpretation of arm's length, but this needs to be clear for everyone. We've signed the BEPS multilateral treaty. We are supposed to follow what the, the OECD guidelines on, on transfer pricing, on what is arm's length, but it's not always the case. For example, we had a case recently where a client had its uh, transfer pricing analysis. Okay. It's regarding intellectual property and why there is a minimal income which is kept in Mauritius because the DEMPI framework is, we apply the DEMPI, but MOA says that they do not recognize DEMPI, which is, but we, we need to, it needs to be clear for everyone. Yes, so, because for a client, there is no requirement to transfer profit out of Mauritius to avoid paying 50% tax. So, but it's the uncertainty that is creating issues. So, yeah. we need to have proper transfer pricing, transfer pricing guidelines. What the MRE think is, uh, it can be that they follow all the OECD, what the OECD says, or they can depart, like some countries like Singapore, they have some departures from uh, what the OECD says. Sure. So we can, but we need, it need to be, it need to be clear because they can't carry out investigation on transfer pricing without having the proper tools, without having the proper framework. And in fairness, it must be fair to the taxpayer. Everyone knows the rules at the start. Yes, yeah, and the principle, I mean, I've said it in another conversation, certainty is so important, particularly in the global business sector where we're trying to attract investors to Mauritius. If we can't give them that certainty that at least the tax framework is, is certain, I mean, another aspect that we've seen over the past few years is some tax laws have been retroactive yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, um, yeah. So that would be interesting when, it, when that goes to court. So, yeah, I, I agree with you some kind of framework or guidelines would, would be most welcome, particularly in the light of the judgment that we've seen last week, the Inodis judgment. What, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, again, there is a, there is a judgment where it's on the deem, deem interest. So we have ignored completely the transfer pricing guidelines of the OECD. And because it, a loan is not always a loan for I tax agree. purposes. They, there is an economic analysis that need to, be, need to be done. I'm not sure that this was done because you can't just come and apply a rate. Uh, in that case, the subsidiaries were in, very, in a difficult situation. So would have anyone lent them money? A would third have, party. Yeah. yeah. Would a third party have lent them money? So it cannot be a loan. No unrelated party would have provided a loan. And you have a subsidiary which is in financial difficulty. You cannot provide loan to finance because if you charge interest, they're already in a exactly. difficult how situation. Will they, how will they service the loan? Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. And it's... Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the transfer, I mean, I don't know what OECD-TP guidelines were back then, but I know certainly now there are particular sections dealing with quasi-equity yeah. and all the different factors that you need to take into account. And uh, as you said, I haven't seen that analysis in the judgment. Yeah, yeah but uh, 
Even at the time being, even they didn't have the term quasi-equity, but it was always said that part of the transfer pricing analysis is to see whether a loan is a loan or another equity. instrument. Yeah, yeah, or another instrument. Yeah. And another aspect, it's not transfer pricing, but on the accrual uh, of, I think, uh, passage benefit. Yes, yes, yeah. that was the other In aspect. This also I'm very surprised because there's an accrual of expenses and the tax law doesn't define what is the difference between accrual and provision. And in the total case at the private council, it was clearly mentioned that in case where nothing is provided in the tax law, we go to the accounting rules. Sure, sure. And in that case, passage benefit, it's an accrual, it's not a provision. Because accrual, it's certain, and we can quantify it exactly. Each year we can quantify how much the person has earned. Whereas a provision, there's some sort of uh, estimation or guesswork yeah, going on there. Exactly, it's a guess. Someone is showing me, I may be required to pay, I may not be required, the amount is not certain. This is clearly defined in IFRS. What is a provision? What is an accrual? And this has completely been ignored. In that case, it's clear that it's an accrual because it's a certain liability for the company. Yeah. It should have been able to get the deduction, in my, in my opinion, if we rely on the judgment of total... Yeah, the, the total case. Well, I hope that that's not going to happen. I think the danger as well is that because we now have this case, that the MRA will automatically apply, apply it blanketly and without any sort of differentiation. And it, it will be up to us to distinguish, even though we don't agree with the case yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the first place, but it's a Supreme Court case. Yeah. That's the issue. I'm not aware if the taxpayer uh, plans to, to appeal or not. Just to finish off, Ryan, on, on, on that topic, I think there's loads more that we could talk about on, on transfer pricing. I mean, you've mentioned solidarity levy, so I presume that would be on your wish list for this year's budget. If you had to pick one thing that you would like to see in this year's budget, Finance Act, what would it be? Yeah, I think it would be a uh, debt push down. Okay. Debt push down. I think there are some groups, groups in Mauritius, we are limited in structuring, restructuring, sure. and uh, we need to, to carry out business just by looking at the tax side, create a specific entity to push, to put the debt because the interest is, rate is increasing, it's a cost, mm -hmm. and it's fair that if a business needs loan to finance its operation, mm -hmm. it needs to be able to get the deduction. Okay, okay, that's a good one. There's one, I don't know whether you've, you've ever made that representation, but I've always been intrigued as to why we didn't have group relief as well in, in Mauritius. Mm -hmm. I've never had a clear answer as to why not. <laughs> we, in fact, every year, every year, Regis Capital has made this representation. Made this, uh, yeah. It's a famous request. Kachi is always very keen on this. <laughs> it's always uh, on the top of your yeah, list. <laughs> but up to now, it's. Uh, yeah, but yeah. if we had group relief, then it solves the debt push down. Exactly, exactly. I think yeah. it, it would go a long way. Thank you so much for your time, Ryan, and your wisdom. I wish you all the best in your new role. Um, Thank you. you know, obviously, I, I'm a big fan of Kachi's, but so big shoes to fill, but I'm sure you'll fill 
fill them very comfortably. <laughs> so thank yeah. you. She's still there to support. Yes, you. <laughs> so yeah. I saw her last week actually. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Johan. It was a pleasure.